Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there. Welcome to Propaganda that's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. There's a 10% discount on your legal fees. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Dan, Michael and Moscow with you today on Propaganda, the show where we find out what's been said about Leeds United, both by you and by the opposition fans. Uh, it's a two-parter. First part is where we get the feedback from our TSB Plus members about the match ball that we did in the wake of the Everton game, which was a, probably a low point for the season, fair to say. Are we all looking forward to this? Mm, well, might as well. <laughs> in for a penny, in for a pound. Um, well, the first big talking point was something that did come up on the match ball. And, and it was a fairly, it was, it, was a, it was a fallow match ball, I felt like, in terms of talking points and um, funny points. But we got two little points. Richarlison's nipples. Mm, I was I was compelled to look at this because yeah. I'd missed them at the time. Yeah, but you're right. Titchy little things, aren't they? Yeah. We've got a picture of them on the prep sheet. I don't know. We'll stick these in the video version so you can let's, see. Let's be honest. Around the table, um, how do yours? How's yours size up? Well, they're bigger than those. Yeah, mine too. I think I think they're like five pence size at most. Yeah, I, I am relatively small of nipple. I'm at least one pence, but I think I'm bigger than those. Mm. Do you remember a halfpenny? <laughs> Did you ever see a halfpenny? <laughs> An apony. You mean a apony? Yeah, or a threepenny bit. <laughs> Which is rhyming slang. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, look them up if you're, uh, if you're interested. I'll say we'll, we'll stick them on the, on the video version. Because that is a, it's a little nipple, isn't it? Mm. And he's going to get a book in there for taking his shirt off. But um, he's quite hairless as well as Richarlison there, isn't he? He uh, looks very smooth. Maybe a little bit of waxing. Mm. Him and Frank Maybe. going down the, the salon together. And Colin, Neil Warnock, of course, famously saying that his daughters couldn't believe how smooth he is. <laughs> Look Look at this. Hey, Amy, run your hand across there. Mm. Oh. I really can't believe that she's being told about it. <laughs> Dad, put your shirt back on. Uh, right then. Well, the talking points in the feedback were pretty much what you'd expect. I mean, there's no surprises here. So, is this where we get into the post mortem? Do we have to do the post mortem? Pretty much. I mean, most of the points cover Bielsa, his team selection, and. Tactics and subs. Tactics and subs yeah. and Roberts over Galhart. That covers like the majority of, of what is there, doesn't it? So where do we start? I can see I can see there are different stats been brought to this to this sheet. I, I guess you put on the ones from the Athletic Moscow. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? The three at the back thing, because um obviously that was a point on the match ball where I was disputing your claim that we can never win playing three at the back. And it and I had this in Mine, because it's something Phil Hay did after we lost to Southampton playing three at the back with Matches Click being totally useless in midfield. And we have a 76% win rate, <laughs> which is mad. And we'll, like that needs more context. But since that game, we have played Norwich with three at the back and won, and then Brentford and Drew, and then Everton and lost. So it's still, it's got, I can't do the math properly, but that stays the same, doesn't it? The win rate still approximately... 70 odd. But the the other all the other caveats are that we do play loads worse. Like we give away more chances, we have fewer chances, and that often when we're playing three at the back, it's against teams who are worse because Liverpool will tend to play just they stick to what they're doing. They play one up front, Manchester City don't play anybody up front. So against them we do two at the back, and we're obviously it's harder to play against those teams. But it is it's a weird thing because whenever we play three at the back, I always look at it and think this is going to be terrible. And the games are always kind of much more dicey and bad. But then you look at actually how many times we've lost um, playing three at the back and it's less than 25, mm-hmm. less than a quarter. So it's it's a, it's a, a strange thing, isn't it? It is a bit of an enigma because, I mean, look at the examples from this season. Burnley, when we drew there early in the season, we were bad, mm-hmm. they, weren't we? We weren't mm-hmm. great. Southampton, obviously terrible. Yeah. Norwich, we made really heavy weather of it, albeit we were under a lot of pressure at that time. We, we did essentially only win that because Tim Krull let a 
yeah. crap shot underneath him. And it was Rodrigo, wasn't it, from quite far out, and he just and then Rafa bounced under. Yeah, him. and Rafa scored as well, didn't yeah. he? Um, when he cut inside, scored that beauty. But and then Brentford needed the last minute from Bamford to save it. The big di- the difference I can think of is Phillips. Yeah, when Phillips plays in uh, front of our back three, we are fine when it's click. Well, not fine, but we're a lot better. He can he can do the job of like two or three players and dominate the area where Everton dominated us because Click was just out of it, which Bielsa ended up saying, which again, the question is, why did you pick Click there again mm. then? Yeah. And the Brentford game, we had Forshaw and Phillips, which you get, which I, you can argue with that setup, that does give us a, a good amount of control there because they are both, they're both inclined to sit, aren't they? Whereas, yeah, you look at the, the Southampton game, which was the other one, which was, it's probably the, the other terrible performance this season. I yeah. mean, I know there have been the old thrashing in there as well, but, a bad performance against a team we could realistically expect to get something from and that was Rodrigo Roberts and Click which just as on Saturday you look at the centre of the team and you go mm, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of defence in there is there? I mean now, now it's Tuesday I feel able to rationalise it a lot more and you can identify specific causes for why we were so bad I think you're probably better at that than, than we are Moscow in that you're able to pinpoint things when we're both turning into emotional idiots in the in the post-match but I, I honestly, I think this last couple of days has been as bad as I've felt all season mm-hmm. with it, and I think it goes back to what was what you're saying there actually about why click when Forshaw was the obvious one, and everybody kind of felt it in the run up to it, but you just kind of hope beyond hope that it doesn't cost us, but then it does, and we're abysmal, and when it goes bad, it goes really bad really quickly, and you fear that it, he's not learning, and therefore the whole season's in jeopardy, and it spirals, doesn't it? It mm-hmm. just completely spirals. But then I've driven past Ellen Road this morning, and I said to you on the way in, Michael, didn't I? I kind of I've been sulking for two days. I mean, far beyond what is reasonable for a grown man. But then I've just driven past Ellen Rohn and gone, I can't stay mad at you for too long. It has a double aspect in this game as well because you're thinking, why not uh, for sure? And maybe there's a fitness thing that we don't know about, who knows? But then it also has the why not Van der Beek aspect as well, which was just kind of fated. So of course he's going to have a good game after Bielsa said, no, no Van der Beek. Whereas he probably would have been excellent for us in that position where we uh, stuck click. I think that's it as well. It all goes back to that, doesn't it? And when you talk about this, you know, the spiraling thoughts, it, it's about the, the whole policy and, and the whole season being on the line. And then if we go down, does that Bielsa, is he undoing his own legacy and all that? And I don't know. It's it's not a good place to be, is it, when it all goes so spectacularly mm-hmm. bad? It's not like we've lost by a narrow margin. We just got absolutely dicked. I think the, the, it comes through in the feedback, actually. A few people were kind of almost going on the, the line of, I don't want this to happen to Bielsa as well, which is it's kind of how I feel. I'm just thinking, it can't, I don't want it to end like this. Like if we went, if the worst did happen and we went down this season with Nielsen in charge, it would kind of invalidate. It's like a relationship that turns really bad at the end and yeah. it kind of, it wipes yeah. out the good bit almost, which it shouldn't do. But there's, it'd be hard to not kind of think, well... Well, his mandate was to get us up, wasn't it? And he got us up. So then if he takes us down <laughs> again, it's kind of, it, it's taken us back to, it's, yeah. a, it's a net zero, isn't and we'd it? Obviously, I mean, we'd obviously be going down in much better shape as a club. We'd have a, a much, in a much better financial position. We'd have a more depth in the youth system for all that's worth and all, and all that sort of stuff but it yeah it, it would be undeniably be I mean, I was gonna say a, like a stepping back into the before times Joe I think is in the comments has said I'm slowly coming around to the idea of Bielsa leaving at the end of the season and I think that is one of the issues that does kind of underpin this as well is the idea that when this goes bad and it feels like it's gone bad more than it's gone well this season it's about net cost isn't it and that's what Joe picks out so it used to be a one-off every now and again but now it's every few weeks so it feels like a diminishing returns, doesn't it? The counter to that, and obviously I'm going to be me, have a counter, is the things that we'd like Bielsa to do in terms of being more defensive, more solid, have a bigger squad, um, and look for the board to spend more money on transfers um, until they got to January and did something about it. It wasn't doing a lot of good for clubs like Newcastle or Everton who have bigger squads set up uh, defensively in every game. Burnley, they get a lot of credit for staying in games and then they lose. They've only won one all season. So it's looking for a... Sometimes when things are bad, you start looking for a magic bullet and you think, well, if you'd only play, you know, four at the back, we'd win all the time. But then you look at other teams who play four at the back and don't. And there isn't that simple thing. And I think that's where the the three at the back thing is interesting because we have that perception. I include... I have that as well, where I dread us playing it. And then you look at the, the statistics of how many games we win or lose that way and it's like oh actually it's not as bad as we as it feels it's just in the in the moment it's difficult to to get out from that I mean so I'm wary of kind of uh, it's the grass always greener and being careful what you wish for and that kind of stuff of like 
you know, if it was as simple as having a bigger squad and being more solid defensively, Newcastle would have been much higher up the league than us all season. I mean, I think, though, you can find smaller examples, though it doesn't always have to be a magic bullet. I'll give you a perfect example. Last season, when we got good results at home against Man United, Liverpool, I include in that, we played a little bit deeper. Now, this is with having better midfielders in position, but we, we would play a little bit deeper and then pick our moments to break. So it wasn't quite as thrilling, but it felt like we were more competitive. And I think, in that, for example, that early that um, early spell in the Everton games, so let's say the first 15 minutes, they came out of the blocks and I'd said to the pair of you when we were sat in here, if we can ride this out and hopefully settle into the game, just don't concede. That's what we may, need to make sure we don't do is don't concede, stay in the game and then we'll get our chance. Now, had we just maybe sat a bit deeper for 15 minutes, taken the sting out of the game and got you know through that spell rather than just playing like wide open like we were and inviting them on time after time after time. And that's when it goes back to the idea of doubting Bielsa because you want him to have a, a plan B almost, don't you? When plan A isn't working so spectacularly badly, it's just do some basic stuff like mm. sit a bit deeper, absorb the pressure, stop them, frustrate them, get the crowds to turn. But it feels like we almost hang on to the ideal like so much that... It cost us and we went 1-0 down and as soon as we were 1-0 down, that was done. The problem with the opening goal though is that it didn't come from being open as such. It was three mistakes we let and it kind of, it shows how, it showed both how three at the back can work and then also how it can fail in the first part of it because Everton kept taking Anthony Gordon inside and he takes Luke Ayling with him and that leaves Rafinha one-on-one against their left back, John Joe Kenny, which I think is why Rafinha ended up going off. It's because he was always being left one-on-one and losing, he gets beaten way too easily by Kenny. So there's a personal duel there that our best player has lost. But then you still, because we have three defenders against their two forwards, Kenny in the the left-hand side of their penalty area has got nobody to cross to. So he ends up ballooning it out to the other wing. It's a terrible ball and it kind of, um, there's the failure because we've got loads of space that we've left Rafinha one-on-one. But then there's also the success because if he beats Rafinha, He's got nothing he can do with the ball and the attack should end. Then what happens is Coleman beats Harrison one-on-one. And again, you're saying, Jackie, just tackle him. Don't let him beat you. And once he's passed him, we've got this extra player. We've got their right back is now storming towards our penalty area. Click is marking Van der Beek. He's his man for most of the game and he's next to him. And he is the one who is the obvious choice to go and stop Coleman. And he looks, Rodrigo is standing the other side of Van der Beek. So he's like, Right, Rodrigo's got Van der Beek. I'll go and challenge Coleman. Rodrigo doesn't notice and just walks very slowly in the opposite direction away from Van der Beek, who cannot believe it. You see him suddenly, he points into the penalty area. He's like, I'm free, look at this. And that's when it breaks as a ball to, it goes to, it's passed from Coleman to Gordon and he plays it into Van der Beek. And then we even, we almost get away with it with uh, Llorente challenging Calvert-Lewin on the lines. It's like the last ditch attempt um, and it's Coleman steaming in. It was kind of how three at the back can be can deal with an attack in the first phase because they couldn't find their forwards, so that cross didn't work. But then when they actually did score, we had probably about seven or eight players all in defence, all marking up, and it took Rodrigo not doing his job and Harrison not doing his job meant it broke. And so it's kind of, it's individuals not doing the job properly, but then it's also the system does ask a real high level of concentration from the individuals if like Rodrigo must be on the ball all the time to watch his man which other systems I feel like Lee Clark might um, systems, um, but others will have more slack built into them and it's a, it's one of the weird things because if it was terrifying all day how open we were and how often they came running through but then the blocks and the tackles and last ditch uh, attempts and the saves did actually stop Everton from scoring that way they got a corner that they scored from because we can't defend corners, which is a whole other issue to absolutely uh, bash Bielsa over the head over and then pressing us into a mistake in the last 10 minutes. But mm. all, all those chances, and this is the thing about the uh, the two sides of the the win rate where we win a load of games, but we give up loads and loads of opportunities to lose them when we play like that. And I think it's um, um, when Bielsa is putting us out like that, he's doing that calculation of we'll get away with it because their strikers will be nullified by three and their other players won't be able to do it as long as everybody does the jobs properly. And that's where you can then trace back to, well, we need better players. We need a better yeah. player than quick in say, midfield. In exactly. This, well, that's exactly then, what I thought. But, but then Rafinha is our best player. Mm. Didn't do his job stopping their 
left back from so it's then it's how good a player do you need yeah it snowballs doesn't it but that's the, I was going to say that's exactly what I ended up thinking about um, you know the Arsenal home game when you had the players just like I'm trying to think it was um, Odegaard wasn't it who was in, in their midfield just finding acres of space just knew exactly how to create that half a yard so it was easy to win the individual battles because their players were just quite frankly miles better than ours mm. on the day I think the one thing with going through the goals and you are right so the goals were like in a way not indicative of the game as a whole mm. were they but there were there were other chances like Gordon was in within the first minute or two minute or two wasn't yeah. he and that was a good save and, and towards the end I know there was the the unbelievable save yeah. Melier put in from Rondo save of so, the season so there were some there were some really good chances in there from on other days you would ordinarily expect them to mm. score so mm. on balance it probably was about right as a scoreline oh, it's, yeah. it's just that the goals that went in were were kind of unusual. They weren't indicative of the the general pattern of play. Were they? just on the the, so, the sofa score momentum thing that we look at. You know, it's just it's just Everton. Really, <laughs> we we get the odd little little peak on it, but there's yeah. nothing really. That's the other problem with three at the back. So you can get away with it defensively. So Kenny can get in. He's got nowhere to cross to. But getting out mm. is much uh, more difficult. It makes it a lot more difficult for us to score. Yeah. Mm. Without there was no out ball from the defence. Was there? I think that was that was very obvious. There were, we quite often gave away possession, which is unusual for us, just kicking it into the midfield mm. where there should be a Fosh or a Phillips. But actually there was Click and Rodrigo stood much further up the field and there was nowhere for them to go to. So. It was an utterly bizarre thing. And I do just point these things out as bizarre as our pass completion was loads better than theirs. Mm. First it's, half it's, and second half. But it's because so many of our passes were just around the back three, weren't yeah. they? And back to Melia. If you, if you took out, if you looked at anything vaguely progressive, I imagine our stats are probably quite bad. I think at half time I tried breaking it down and we were we had better passing in the final third than they did. We, it's just weird. Mm. I, it's one of those this is why I don't trust stats. Yeah. Because I, I trust actually your eyes and my eyes of looking at it going we were bloody awful. Mm. Wisconsin Todd actually in the comments bringing up the um, the Bielsa Roberts Gelhart axis describes it as as poisoning the well says you may, you guys may not want to talk about it but most fans do because it's poisoning the well for all concerned i mean it the thing is what more can we say about it that hasn't been said a thousand times we know why he's using him i don't agree with the way that bielsa is choosing to use roberts over gelhart equally we don't know for sure that gelhart would make any difference in the games it's all based on an imaginary scenario isn't it so i'm not sure what else there is to say other than until he gives gelhart a run in the team to prove the point what can we do? I mean, he's, I not, would, he's not listening to us, is he? I mean, I, I, I would, agree, mu- I would I, much rather see Gellhart yeah. playing these games. I agree and, with the point. I'd, I'd like to see square pegs in square holes, quite frankly. And as I well. thought, I thought taking now a best player off for him made absolutely no sense as well on the weekend. He, he, Rafinha is consistently the most creative player we have, and the, the most likely source of a goal, either via an assist or scoring himself. And I, I don't see, I didn't see it. I don't, think, I don't think he was playing badly enough to justify taking him off. He was worse against Villa and stayed on the pitch in that one, which mm. seemed. Which seemed odd. It, it felt like have, it felt like uh, in that one we were actually keeping him on because we thought, well, there's a chance he'll produce a bit of something. Whereas in this, we we didn't. And I felt like him going off at half time and Roberts coming on, and with already having it removed the possibility of Gelhart coming on as well because we'd had to make the change with Dallas. So the the substitutions at half time, it did feel. It about set like, the game, didn't it? It was a bit. Oh, like, well, well, that's it then. Yeah, I think how it, it felt. I think it might have been cumulative because he gave him the second half at Villa and you didn't do anything. Mm. So he's like, I could give him the second half here and just get the same. And then also, I think defensive, I think it was more about getting Dan James on the right to protect Luke Ayling and stop their fullback than it was about, I really think Tyler Roberts is going to come on and score a hat-trick and win this game for us, which I would prefer to see. I want, want to see Gelhart play more. I want to see less sort of 24-hour seven attacks on Tyler Roberts at the same time, but I would like to see Gelhart play more. But again, I don't think Gelhart was going to score a hat-trick in this game and win it either. Um and I don't think Rafinha was going to do anything. So I think it did just come down to, you know, the the first goal highlights it, that if Rafinha's just going to get skinned by their left back, then we know that Tan James is going to run and tackle and mm. fight all the way in a way that he won't. And because of the way that they're... Everton kept dragging Luke Ayling out of position as they kept um, Iwobi on the other side, was dragging Helder out. It was a defensive move rather than a... Tyler Roberts is going to come on and, and win the game move. So Although, it's, not the, it's not quite the same as, as, as a Roberts versus Gelhart yeah, choice. No, no, I mean, I, I agree that, you know, it's a fair point to try and help Luke Ayling down that side. You put Gelhart on, there's a chance of something happening. Whereas I think with Tyler Roberts, unfortunately, it doesn't feel like that's the case. I think you said that in the match ball, didn't you? Like it, it doesn't, you never looked at that and thought, well, that's us going on the front foot for the entire second half. Whereas Gelhart, you know, you need, 
and it, at the point about Rafinha, I think you might have made this on the match ball. I, I can't remember if I've imagined it or maybe you did, but it's about those moments of magic, isn't it? And having the people who can turn games. And unfortunately, it feels like with those changes, it was a, a concession of the game has effectively gone because we didn't have game changers on. You take Rafinha off and don't put Gelhart on. So it removes two flair players. It's from... a game we, we weren't in at all at any point and it didn't feel like we were going to. But it feels like if you've got Joe Gelhart on, there's a chance he'll just wriggle free on the edge of the box and put one in the bottom corner and then it, it can change the it can change the pattern of the game, which was overwhelmingly going against us at this point. But it, it just felt like we removed the yeah, removed the possibility of, of ever changing it. It so, didn't improve things. I mean James disappeared from the game once he was mm-hmm. on the right. He was quite him and Rodrigo were um they produced probably the few opportunities that we had in the first half when Rodrigo put him through and he was tackled and then there was another chance in there as well with James and Rodrigo and then that just stopped happening in the mm. second half. And I don't know, I do not dispute that Gelhart should play more. So mm. it's it, fine. It, it's, I think it's just weird to be here with Bielsa. Every manager of every club will have a player who they're consistently put in the team, either bringing them off the bench or starting them, who a lot of the fans don't want. Like mm-hmm. we've, we've always had them at Leeds. It's just that for... For ages at Leeds, it didn't really matter because we were finishing 15th. So whether or not, you know, we were persisting with... Shane Lowry. with Well, I mean, Shane Lowry, that did feel um, important because we were trying to get out of League One. But Grayson kept playing him. Yeah. And it was pretty clear to everyone that he was shit. And it was just like, but what? so so why? I know mm. we didn't have great left-back options then, but I think A.D. White was still kicking around, although they're probably injured. But just play someone else there is what it, what it comes down to. And this is where it's... I do feel bad for Roberts because it's not his fault that he gets brought on. Like, and it's not his fault that he's maybe not good enough to do to turn a game for us. It's it's just that he's Kevin says exactly this. He's, by const- the way. he's yeah. constantly in the firing line for it, and from that point of view, it's there's a responsibility on Bielsa to take him out of the firing line as well, isn't there? Rather than <laughs> to, to just dig, to dig in. Um, and if and if Gellart came on and had 13 touches as Roberts did and didn't particularly contribute everything, anything people wouldn't actually be having to go at him. Weirdly, it's which, which is. I guess shows that it's unfair. People should have been straight on his back as well, saying <laughs> he's done nothing there, but, yeah. they, but they wouldn't have been. And, and it changes the feeling around the fan base. Because that, he makes things happen, that's why. Yeah. So he gets credit for that, doesn't he? Um, we, I mean, I in suppose- fact, we've seen a lot of Tyler Roberts now, and I don't think many people see a future for him. Do you know what it goes back to? And I think it's a question you posed, actually, Moscow. I think it was really good, a really good match report, and you asked a big question in it that I hadn't really sort of thought over until you raised it, which was, why do we just want the season to end now? Because that's how I feel. I, was like, I just want to get to the summer. I'm not enjoying this season. And, and I think this is all part of that. It's like, why, why play Tyler Roberts and um, why not Gelhart? And I think, I feel like there's a, there's a general sense that they've underestimated the Premier League. They've underestimated the requirements of the squad size. Maybe Bielsa's, we don't know, his training methods, whatever it might be, might be having an influence on the injury situation. It just feels like they haven't got the formula right this season. And I think as... Uh, as Phil Hay put it recently, it's like they've got the model, but it's been stretched beyond the limits this season. We've seen that. So I think to compound the issue by not addressing it in January with at least maybe one player, just something to change things up a little bit, feels a little bit, makes you feel a bit miserable, doesn't it? And the question you posed was, why do we even want to see this season out? Are we supposed to be enjoying it? And it's because it's escapism. I think I thought about this question and it's, this is my this is my form of escapism. So it's, it's rooted in something selfish for me and possibly for many other fans is that I want to enjoy this. This is my escapism from day-to-day bullshit. And at the minute, it's miserable and I'm not enjoying it and I want to enjoy it and I want them to... I want to feel like I've got confidence in, in the the situation that's unfolding at Ellen Road on a season-by-season basis. And I really feel like they've got it wrong this season. Whether that's Bielsa, the management, the investment, the shape of the squad, whatever it is, the training, I don't quite know what it is. Couple finger on the single thing. But it feels like they've got it wrong this season. I feel like we maybe prematurely thought it was all fixed as well because that's how it felt. It felt like we'd finally got out of the Championship We'd had a really strong season in the Premier League. It's like, this is it. We're established. We are instantly back to, you know, 1999 or whatever. We're just, we're kind of, we're just ready to take off again in this league and it'll be fine. I just, I think the reason I want it to be over is because I just want to know that it's fine for another season. And that summer gives us the opportunity to address things properly, get everyone finally fit again and maybe just start again next year. Humans hate uncertainty, don't they? And yeah, and it's just, it's just the feeling of the nagging doubt that we might go down and that this all gets torn up again in terms of Phillips going, Rafinha going, Melia going, and having to start again in the Championship. We'd start again in the Championship in a strong position because we'd have a load of Premier League money, we'd have a load of money from selling at least three or four players, and we'd have, still have quite a strong squad. It wouldn't be like before. But it's terrible, isn't but it's, it? It's, the idea of it is just awful, and I, I cannot bear the thought of it, and it, it nags at me day and night now. I just yeah. I keep. I was even, yeah. I was looking at 
the uh, West Brom Blackburn score last night and thinking, please not again. I switched it over for five minutes and turned it off because it made me feel sad. Yeah, <laughs> I noticed it was on. I thought, I, we can't be having any of that bullshit in our lives, mm. which, you know, dreadful and entitled. But, you know, here we are. We are Leeds and all that. <laughs> but I, I guess the, the question I was posing is with 15 games to go and the next three look terrible, but the ones that come afterwards look much more within our range to win at a time when hopefully Calvin Phillips will be back and making a big difference. If Pat Bamford comes back at some point, those are two big players returning to our team that we've missed a lot. You know, Bamford, frankly, a lazy season from Bamford. I don't think we've, uh, you know, I wish he, I almost wish we lost that game against Brentford and his hamstring had been fine and he played, <laughs> you know, he could have then played yeah. the next games and we could have seen him for the last 10 games since and, and had more. But there's still a long way to go in that respect. And I think it's kind of the, you know, relegating us this weekend felt premature. When if you do go back to last season, it was the last 10 games that needed, it was a combination of pressure being off, I guess, and also going a bit more defensive in those games against the the top sides that we suddenly went on that run where we, we won game after game after game and lost at Brighton in a complete reversion to how we were against Everton, probably um, similar level of awful performance and that was the one when everyone wanted Alioski should never play for the club again and then he came back the next week and was brilliant until the end of the season and is now the big missing player so there's so many things can happen between now and then and this weekend we were awful against Everton but then we're still six points clear of the relegated teams who did any of them score the teams in the bottom Three, they didn't, did they? They no. all lost. None of them scored. Apart from Newcastle, who gained ground. But it's actually but opened, it's opened up a bit of a gap, hasn't it, now, almost. So it looks like, I mean, you know, you don't want to tempt fate at this stage, but that bottom three could hopefully be bedded in. Particularly Norwich have got a, a set of fixtures that are looking bad, similar to ours. Um, and I think the other two look relatively hopeless. I mean, like, if we get a couple more wins between now and the end of the season, you're talking about the bottom three having to essentially double their output from where they are right now yeah. which you just don't see happening and, and and again this actually just goes back to the state of the Prem and talking about not enjoying it and the Premier League is a fairly miserable place isn't it particularly for just about the entire bottom half it's not it's not a lot of fun that said it's better than the alternative well I don't know I mean yes I don't think people were this annoyed about finishing 15th or you're a bit further away from the, the bottom three but finishing bottom half of the championship I don't know if that was just acceptance and we were just used to it. It's but, a bigger division, you're right. Um, but, but you know, we would get to this stage of the season and the season was over. And you just... This, this isn't over, that's the problem. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. But then you just... Um, but it didn't generate the, the kind of anger. And I guess... I suppose the thing as well with people, this idea that maybe without Bielsa we'd be doing better. I just... I've, what I was saying at the start is if we did have a different manager who played more defensive and a bigger squad and all this, we'd probably still be like 15th, 14th, 13th. Mm. Brentford are ahead of us and haven't won for, they've won one in seven. All the others have lost and it's kind of, and the, so the other teams in the Premier League who do things right aren't doing so much better than us who no. are doing everything wrong. That makes me think, well, we really, if we don't do what they do, then we're completely sunk and lost. So then I kind of think, well, at least Bielsa's, you know, Tries, nice. trying to give us fun and he's and, a decent and the likes human of, yeah. like Brighton and Palace who've been around the division for a while they still have years I know Brighton are having a better season this year but you've pointed out before Moscow they've had like is it three in a row four in a row something like that where they've, they've just they've they always they've hovered games. in this area they, Brighton win nine games every season and never a single game more <laughs> and they've been in the Premier League for years and I think that's I suppose this is an unsaid part of it as well is that we are we're Leeds United <laughs> they've only won seven already this season you know? so they've got they've got two to go <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, we're Leeds United and because of who we are and how we feel about our football club we feel like we come into the champion, we come into the Premier League we finish ninth and then we're marching on for Europe and it's unrealistic because you look at teams like Brighton Palace Wolves and the teams that went down in their second seasons like Sheffield United they come up and they never get beyond that mid-table I think Wolves did get line. to Europe once and now they've gone back again. <laughs> oh, the seventh, aren't they, at the minute, Wolves? And they're doing all right, to be fair, to Wolves. But it's, taken them, but it's taken them a few years. And, and Wolves, in fairness, spent, spent fortunes getting there as well. Mm. Well, I was going to say, just going back to the Brighton thing, they are currently right. ninth. Ross so Wolves so if you actually, but if you look above above Brighton, you've got then Spurs, Wolves, there's like another subset of clubs are arriving there. But Brighton have won seven games and there's nobody beneath them, apart from Villa, who've won eight, that's kind of done any more than that. 
Um, we're basically we're a couple of wins away from being mid-table. That's, that's mad, isn't it? But that's how we're also a couple of wins of world defeats away from going down. So it's it's interesting to see what happens. Is kind of where I feel about. It. But then I think remembering it's the second season is a big thing. So I don't know how much better somebody else playing a different way would get a second season in the Premier League. Leeds United any better? I don't. Any, I, don't well, I don't think any of us any want further. That would mean anything. I don't think any of us want Bielsa out either, do we? Because I mean, to do it now would be a huge gamble, I would say, because everything that has been built around this style of play to, to try and change it completely with a dozen games left or whatever mm. it'd be for a new manager to come in on, it would be ridiculous. Mm. Whether whether or not, you know, what, what happens in summer, I've, I've no idea. It feels... It do, it do, this does feel, I think that's the other sadness attached to this, is that this does feel like late-stage Bielsa now, doesn't it? Does, <laughs> it, it, can, it can still turn it around, though. It, yeah, I mean, we, if we have the run we had at the end of last season, absolutely no one will even be discussing I was this. Say, I'm looking, but if you went online after we beat West Ham and then even after drawing against Aston Villa, mm. it's all... All this team needs is another midfielder and we'll have Bielsa's going to sign up for next season and it's going to be great. Mm. And then we we play like we did against Everton and it's gone, well, it looks like it's his last season. I was saying that's how it feels. I didn't mean it necessarily is, but it feels this week, today, that's how it feels. Like in the wake of this, it's made me feel sad and I'm kind of mourning for a thing that's gone, which was the promotion and the togetherness and the joy of all that. Mm. Whereas if we win on Sunday, I'll be absolutely bouncing. And well, this is brilliant. In the wake of promotion and and last year, I think we described it as like peacetime at Leeds United. Everyone was just getting on. No one wanted the manager sacked. Everyone liked all the players, and that's kind of disappeared. <laughs> it's yeah. disappeared quite spectacularly. With, it's only ever fleeting, isn't it? With what are essentially only really a few bad results this year. Mm. I know we've not been we've not hit the heights of last year, but realistically, if we'd managed to beat Brentford at home and Wolves at home, the table would look would look absolutely fine. Now I mean, it took us a long time last season to win more than two in a row. Mm. There was no the consistency was the big thing that we lacked, and this year we've lacked consistency again but with the added influence of all the injuries that we didn't have last year, and that's kind of turned decent results. I mean, we have, we've almost, there is some pragmatism in the results where you look at how many we've drawn compared to last season where we barely drew a game. Um, so we picked up points along the way that maybe last season, I don't know, would have been either defeats or wins. I don't know. It's, they're not even doing anything completely terrible. Like if they finish 15th, it always used to be the thing in the championship half. We get in the Premier League and we'll, We'd just stay and it will finish 15th. That would be a lot better than this. And then it turns out, no, all those players have ruined everything good they ever did. And it's kind of, I think that's it. It's trying to just take some of the, some of that heat out of it and just be, there's a long way to go. And it could still but, absolutely but I'll tell you what, get loads worse. This has felt like group therapy because in the space of half an hour, you've convinced me that everything's actually all right. Well, it's not. I mean, that's, <laughs> it blatantly That isn't. annoys people too, though. This, this is what I'm saying about peacetime is over because you're not allowed to be positive because you'll upset. You'll upset people who want to be negative, and you're not allowed to be negative because you'll upset people who want to be positive. But I think and, both, a, and both sides think mid-table is just the worst, isn't it? <laughs> and but, both and both sides of that think that the other side are being complete dicks. And and either way, you're being you're disregarding evidence. But the worst thing is, and you you must experience this as well, is that I exist in both spaces Correct. at the same time. That's which is the the ridiculous like the duality of a football fan, isn't it? It's it's pathetic. I mean, I'm a grown up, <laughs> and I should know better. Just be nice to each other while you're doing it. Except <laughs> we're all fucking idiots. A big proportion of people <laughs> won't accept this as a possibility, but imagine if we beat Scum. Yeah. Imagine how oh, good so, that know, would be. Even a draw on Sunday looks like a win, doesn't it, now after after such bloodletting this week? So, yeah. Anyway. And, that's, and I think that's the thing of uh, not wanting to wish the rest of the season away because we waited 16 years for Scum at home with the crowd. And you'd, yeah, I think there's people saying they don't want to go. Like, come on, go anyway. And if we lose, then just go the next week because you, you signed up for this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, when you became a Leeds... You're in for life now, you pricks. Yeah, when you became a Leeds fan, there were, there were very few guarantees about winning ever. So you've, you've had your lot I mean, look at these lots. I mean, we'll get onto this when we do the main show and the, and the Man United preview, but they're not happy either. They're fourth and they're still not happy. No one's ever happy they're in football. Fourth. Yeah, I think so, probably. <laughs> it's a stupid sport, isn't it? it Every, is. Everyone's miserable. Well, there you go. That wraps up um, part one of Propaganda. We will do part two for you now, where we will look at what the opposition fans said. Hopefully we'll go quite light on the... On the Everton fans and just have a giggle at other people. Is that is that all right? Uh, a little bit. I mean, Everton fans are all right actually. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mind them truthfully. They were um, Man United fifth, by the way. Close enough. Yeah, it, it could have been a lot worse. I think they're they're far more unbearable sets of supporters to have to listen to. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Part two of Propaganda, which could be mm, not as much fun as it has been in recent weeks. Post West Ham, nice to hear fans sad from other clubs. Mm. Um, We're quite sad this week, but we'll get over it. So what have we got then? Come on, Michael, what have you found? Blue Boys Network. We've had him, we had him on last year. I remember him because he's a he's a Brummie Everton fan, which is weird. I don't know why you sort of ex- you kind of accept like Arsenal and Scum fans being from elsewhere, but somehow even an Everton fan with the Brummie accent. I think because it's another strong regional accent as well. You just expect that he would have gravitated towards Villa or Birmingham. But um, I mean, the other thing as well is that with the West Midlands, there's so many clubs in that neck of the woods. Mm. You know, even down to you know Walsall, Wolves, whatever, West Brom, Birmingham, Villa. Pick just pick one of them from there. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, why I don't care what your reasoning is. I don't know why he's ended up on Everton. Probably a family <laughs> thing, or yeah. maybe got the kit wrong. Meant to buy a Birmingham one. Got picked up the Everton one instead. He was like, "Oh well, stick with it." Yeah. Um, but he was he was being fairly nice about us, to be honest. I have nothing against Leeds. I, I like Leeds as a club, but they just didn't turn up today. From a Leeds perspective, today I think you'd be very disappointed. Um, they didn't really lay a glove on Everton. There was a couple of opportunities. I mean, Rodrigo, very unlucky. I think he hits the... Well, he hits... It's probably the crossbar. It, it was the corner of the goal and the very top of the crossbar in the first half from about 20 yards, 25, maybe 30 yards. It, it was fun. It was fun hunting shots, but it was brilliant. It was really, really good, but it just didn't quite go in for him. But there wasn't that, that leads that we saw against Villa. There wasn't that. There wasn't that intensity in their play. I think... Anything leads through what was today Everton had an answer for. And that might have been because Everton were fantastic and it might have been because Leeds were poor. Did he drop a C-bomb in there? He did. Thunder charactering. All right. Is what he said. It's a bit excessive. Mm, I was listening to that in a children's soft play area as well. <laughs> with headphones on. Play it on the speakers. Yeah. Worth hey kids, gather around. <laughs> Probably the crossbar as mm. well. Yes, the crossbar. Was, well, he means because it was... The angle. It, it was the and angle. How dare he it? start that at 20 yards start at 30 and then work out <laughs> it was a great effort great well he's probably right yeah I mean I just thought it was not getting too carried away though in fairness because it'd be quite easy to watch that and go we are now brilliant but it was mm. like well Leeds didn't seem quite right they did yeah. get carried away with it with all the uh, in the, the ground with all the Frankie Lampard uh, but if you can't chanting enjoy him it. waving to the crowd and all that if you can't enjoy stuff. a 3-0 win though you, we've just been saying yeah. we've just been saying in the first part we need to try and enjoy football and if you can't enjoy a, a 3-0 win at home you know Part of, that's clapping him but going but remember it's Frank Lampard next week tough game still to come I think that's what I struggle with is I just can't imagine applauding anything that Frank Lampard does mm. ever imagine if he was Leeds manager we won it feel horrible wouldn't it I've tried to avoid confronting the Lampard aspect of this I've just buried it deep deep down and ignored mm. it yeah um, me too I'm presenting um, Walter Smith is in charge <laughs> <laughs> someone, I don't know, Mike Walker, someone who I don't hate. Well, I just hope that like Duncan Ferguson is really running things like this every single day Lampard comes in and just is dodging punches <laughs> from the moment he comes in to the moment no he goes home. Fi- no one's firing Big Dunk, are they? No. So no, no matter who comes in, there's always a place for him. He just stays as assistant manager to everyone. Benitez the... got rid of everyone at the club, didn't he, more or less? And then he was like, yeah. and obviously you will be staying. 
Duncan. Slamming the door of Lampard's office, Imagine opening the morning. You think you're taking the credit? You remember uh, Chilino never used to like firing anybody. He used to get somebody else to do it. <laughs> Imagine the situation with Duncan Ferguson. Even when he's being nice, he's terrifying, isn't he? He is. Right, um, let's get on to Toffee TV then. They were pleased we took Rafinha off, basically. Yeah. Which were is, you? Uh, no, I was not. <laughs> uh, second half, again a boost. A half-time, Rafinha went off for Leeds. They made the double change at the break. And Everton just totally commanded the game. Um, we allowed Leeds to keep playing their football, which they did do to their credit. And you have to give credit to their fans as well. They didn't shut up all day, even a 3-0 down. At the end, he was still singing. So fair play to them. And fair play to, to Bielsa's team because they did just keep passing and keep going for it. Well, stop being nice about it. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of fair play. I don't like it. We're supposed to hate ourselves this week. That's what I mean. Be, even being nice about the way we played, which in fairness is easy to do when you've completely dicked someone. Like, been a, the, I really like the way the opposition played in uh, letting us score goals. Good. Really not, good that. They've been annoyingly reasonable. I don't like them because they're being reasonable. Yeah, I know. And there's more of it to come. The, <sighs> the Blue Room, they basically were got to the point of saying this might be the best Everton football club I've ever played. Really? Which I think is indicative of the bad season they've had. Were they not alive in 1985 <laughs> or thereabouts? Well, no. I well, they were great. In, oh, no, sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm thinking. I'll just be quiet. <laughs> Cheers, Moscow. That's a good contribution. I'm, I'm honestly struggling to remember a time where we were that much better than an opponent in, in a Premier League game. It's Because it, even if you go back to the start of the season where you're beating teams like uh, Southampton on the, the opening day, you had Burnley came to Goodison, you had, I think we had Norwich as well, who we beat. And those games were all sort of quite even, you know, they were quite bitty and we got we got chances at times and, and we scored. But I, I think every single department today in regards to quality on the ball, in regards to defensive play, in regards to aggression, in regards to work rate, you know, every single thing, you, you do a checklist of what you want to see from your football team and you say, who, who, who won in that, that, that area yeah. today? It was Everton. Everton were just miles, miles better than Leeds today. And listen, they had a couple of moments, well, they had a couple of moments through Rodrigo in the first half, didn't they, which, you know, could have got them back into the game. But it wasn't like we were under pressure and they were peeling us back and they were probing and they were probing and, you know, they were trying to get through and you thought, oh no, there's, there's a goal coming here. Got quite medical towards the end there, didn't it? I'm not probing. They're a funny team, Everton, in some ways, because they did, he's talking about that start of the season they had when it was... Win, draw, win, win, lose, win, draw. And probably at that point, I don't know where they got to in the league, but you're thinking, oh, Benitez. I think they were fourth at one point. Yeah, Benitez has got them playing. He's sorted out. Look at this squad. They look incredible. And then it's the, um, what? it's six defeats with one draw in the middle that kind of did them. And then they've only won, yeah, they won twice since then until us. So there is, it's funny, there's a, there must be latent quality in that squad somewhere. He just needed uh, Frank Lampard to bring it out. Mad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, it, well, his whole thing, I don't know what Benitez... Well, they, they looked uh, good earlier in the season against yeah. us, didn't they? So I don't know what Benitez must have been... Um, yeah, we were quite pleased with that point, weren't we? Did we draw? Yeah. 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 Um, his first home game, wasn't it? Whatever Benitez has been doing with them, because Lampard's whole thing is he's just getting them to enjoy it. Get on the ball and enjoy the ball, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they did. I'm not, I'm not I, like, I like how they just turned us over 3-0 with a performance that was, you know, let's face it, inspired by him and we're refusing to give him any credit whatsoever. Well, he's had enough credit. He was born in credit, wasn't he, because of his old family connections and like between him and the uh, Harry Redknapp's dog, I don't know, he's probably had a better life. So I'm not interested in giving him any credit, but it does seem that it's probably just that simple that he's just, I'm not Rafa Benitez, so will you play well now, please? I mean, they have not included a clip of it, but they also, they had similar opinions about Alex Iwobi. They couldn't believe how well he played because they were basically mm. saying, like, he never plays anything like this. We do make, like, opposition teams look amazing sometimes, don't we? Mm. That's one of the hard things, I think, to stomach with the way that we play because teams genuinely do have to, in a physical sense, try harder against us. And we see so many times, you know, like with the, the game after that people struggle, don't they? Like, mm. Villa at Newcastle this time in a perfect example. And the, the game before with Newcastle as well, because I don't know, maybe I'm I'm not being unserious about this the way Lampard went out to beat us, but against Newcastle, they didn't look like they had a plan. Whereas against us, and you can say it's because it's the way we set up made it easy for them to plan, but they had, the way Wobie was playing, I don't think he played against Newcastle. They brought him in to do a job against Leeds, which, and it feels to me like Lampard just went, he rode the... Uh, the wave of the, the FA Cup game against Brentford where they scored set pieces and the crowds welcoming, whatever. Newcastle just went up and went, don't know what to do. 
lose. <laughs> you promised me Newcastle won't get another point this season after they beat yeah, us. That's crazy. Keep well, they won't now. Kieran Trippier is injured. Mm, that's true. Um, and, but then whatever happened on Newcastle, almost like they weren't interested. But then they actually have a plan against Leeds and a way to beat Leeds and everything's ready to... to um, there was a lot around it being the home Premier League debut for Lampard as well, getting the crowd on side. So it's like, this is the one we have to win. As if, And it is, if you read the coverage in the national press, it's, it's as if Newcastle never happened. Great new dawn, what a start for Frank Lampard. They were pammered in midweek when he didn't he didn't care about playing it well. Eddie Howe's a nice player, a nice guy, got a lot of respect for him, so happy to give him the points. Whereas the beef with Bielsa and Leeds going back so far, even when... I love the chip on your shoulder about this. Lampard... When he scored against Leeds when he was a teenager at Elland Road, went to the corner flag where his dad famously danced around the corner flag in an FA Cup semi-final in the start of the 80s and did exactly the same thing. So he's got this historic... <laughs> he's invented this whole... Not me inventing it. It's him going, oh, Elland Road, that's where my dad did this and that in no, but 19 You imagine you're projecting what you think he thinks onto this whole situation, which but he's is only, great. That guy has two thoughts in his head. One is... I love myself. The other one is I hate Leeds. It's what, not difficult to read him. What about poor Christine? Doesn't give her a second thought. <laughs> right, come on, back to this. Yeah, to go back to Lampard's tactics here, they're uh, essentially just saying how they beat us at our own game. Oh, great. That must be horrible when a team is beating you at your things. Like, hang on, we're, we're meant to be good at this. Not, yeah. not, not, you know, and if you take away that from them, if you can match them f- for effort and, and, and work rate and all that, and that's, that's the route to getting results then all of a sudden it's like, well, what, 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 do, do, we do? what do we do now, lads? There were a lot of faces like that yeah. that looked down there and Bielsa, I'm not going to say Bielsa because I think he's a wonderful, wonderful manager and he's he's done so much good in football. You think of the, the, the managers these days, Pep, for instance, you look at the, the, the career he's had, he was lost for an answer because I think that's, going one side for one second, That that's Leeds' issue in terms of succeeding is the players they've got are decent at what he wants them to do but the quality that they have yeah. aren't quite there. Like Rafinha, you can see why he sticks out like a sort of because he's the best player because technically he's awesome when he's on the ball, but there aren't many others in that. And I looked at Ailing in um, second half, Matt, and you could just see with his body language and how he was talking to people around him, he looked lost for answers. Mm. He's looking around, he's the captain, he's looking around and nobody could find an answer. So much so when they had it, he was just putting it down the line. He was just trying to get the ball upfield going through the motions that we've seen so often this season of, look, I just want, I just want to get back to coaching and go home. This is just not ours today. It was, yeah, fine. Annoyingly, annoyingly correct and respectful, uh, aren't they? No, I know. Yeah. It's, it's really, this is not what this show is supposed to be about. It's a good assessment on Ailing, mm-hmm. actually, in particular. I will say what they'll, what will happen to them as well in the coming weeks, because they'll have another dip at some point in one of their upcoming games and they'll get well annoyed at not being able to match the output that they had against mm-hmm. Leeds. That's, that's one thing that yeah. they'll, they'll end up coming back to. I'm surprised they're not more about annoyed about the Newcastle result. Like, I would be wondering where that performance was for the last 15 weeks. Yeah, as well. but it's, it's, you're only as good as your last game, aren't you, as the saying yeah. goes. I think what he says there is kind of interesting from a Leeds point of view because and when we're thinking about what happens next season if Bielsa stays or goes there's been quite a few people starting to get on that train of um, some of our players are getting older Ailing isn't really is he performing as well how do we lean how do we get Liam Cooper kind of is there a succession plan and it feels like opportunity rather than a big problem because if we sign a new right back does that then make us much better so I think there's two ways of looking ahead to next season another Bielsa-inspired tiny squad disaster or if the investment comes in in the summer and we actually spend the money that we've kind of been seeing on our hands going, we're going to see these two seasons out, we'll be okay, we bought those players last year, it'll be fine. If that unplugs and suddenly cash flows into the team and the squad quality lifts um, and we actually sign an effing midfielder or a seeing midfielder, if you want me on a heaven and podcast, <laughs> How much better can we be playing Bielsa's football with much better players? I would love, I'd like him to stay long enough um, to have the next iteration of the squad that isn't just the championship squad, but we get closer to more players on Rafinha. He still level. brings Tyler Roberts on. <laughs> yeah, he probably would. But, yeah. you, you know, I was saying, you know, right back at the start of the season that it, by the end of the season, Gelhart should be in the, ahead of Roberts in the pecking order. And so we go into next season with Fit Bamford and his understudy is specifically... Gelhart with no confusion and Roberts is just out of the picture and you know maybe we have other good players because I wonder uh, 
is one midfielder going to do it? Will we get more? I hope so. I really, really hope so. So it's, it's um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we signed Furpo to replace Alioski. I haven't really seen him. Can he do better next season? Do we do something about right back to say we need a better version of Ailing? Lots of things. That's what I'd like next season is Bielsa's football, but with a higher quality of player. Right. Um, relegation? Yeah, let's finish on something, Johnny. Great, nice yeah. little relegation battle discussion. <laughs> if you watch that game and you're not an Everton fan and you've not seen these two teams, which one of those two would you say the ones who are in real trouble this season? And I know we're closer to a couple of points behind yeah. Leeds with games in hand and all that sort of thing, but that was so much needed. Yeah. Yeah. Annoying, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But then midweek, we came back from 3-1 down to make sure we didn't lose. So yeah. can we get Everton back and try and play another game? Is I mean, that that's a, yeah, it's the mad thing about football, isn't it? You play them another day and you might do a lot better. That's one of the things about the Villa home game, actually, having another shot at them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's enjoy how nice that was, because if we lose this weekend, this section next week will be, yeah, we're being on ill, yeah. Do you know what? Being delighted with it. I, d- I think now people's expectations have been lowered so far because of that result it feels like the pressure's off a little bit and conversely it could work in our favour. If you, no, feel, I'm not, if you I'm think not, the pressure no. is going to be off at half past 12, I'm, yes. people, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not people I'm are not. literally talking about booing Tyler Roberts on the pitch. No, I think it'll be awful. If we if we get pumped on Sunday, it will be awful. And if mm. Tyler Roberts comes on when we're getting pumped, I think that's the point at which things could turn. I hope they don't for Tyler Roberts' sake. But I do. I think we're, we're sort of creeping towards some dissent in the stadium because the obvious things are not necessarily being done. That said... In terms of the result, I don't think anyone's expecting us to do anything but lose on Sunday. So you never know. Anything beyond that could shift the mood in a far more positive way, is all I was saying. Possibly. (laughs) Let's put all that to bed for now because we will do some wider world of propaganda, find out what's been said in the wider world of football. And often in weeks when it's difficult for Leeds, this is where the joy comes for us because we revel in the misery of others. Mm -hmm. So what have we got this week? Watford. I've been listening to Watford stuff. Why? On and off. Well, for this. Obviously, yeah. trying to find some misery, doing his job, and generally they've been fairly Bless. accepting of of um, but Watford of relegation. I was looking their last eight games; they've got two points, and they played. It's not been a bad run of games either. They played Brentford, West Ham, Spurs, Newcastle, Norwich, Burnley, and Brighton. Or seven games, sorry, but um, yeah, they've got two points this week. They lost to Brighton, and this the people on the rookery end finally seem to be cracking. Which are stable mates as well, because it's a it's an, an athletic, athletic podcast, isn't it? Is it? Indeed. Great bunch of lads, etc. Well, this isn't an athletic podcast. No, it's not, but so we do. We, we do, are not. Uh, we do do the, be- the better one we do. With the- yeah. <laughs> Your stable mates. I'm <laughs> sleeping in the farmyard. <laughs> right, anyway, let's listen. And they, they looked like they were passing it quickly, they were passing it accurately, they looked completely in control of the whole of the first half. And we barely got a kick. I think we had 28% possession in the first half. 28%, John, at home. I mean, where's the ambition? Where's the ambition in the side? The players look frightened. They lack confidence. They they didn't seem to know what they were supposed to be doing, particularly to those two players out of position. <laughs> I like that noise. So thank you. Thank you for finding that. Yeah, yeah they, they've um, had a, a bit of Hodgson now and they're, they're realising that he does, does this. The, the two banks of four thing that Danny Murphy was highlighting on Match of the Day saying how they... Did you watch Match of the Day? No, it was the other week. Oh, right. I was going to say, you, <laughs> ma- you maniac. <laughs> I, did, I did actually have it on in the background, truth be told. Um, although on Match of the Day 2, thankfully, I did notice it was a nice little treat for Leeds fans. They didn't show yesterday's goals again because ah. of the Super Bowl. So that was good. So we didn't, we didn't have that Did you see any of this in the Super Bowl? I, I <laughs> stayed up and watched it all. I didn't mean to. I just uh, got caught up in it. Got to the halftime show. I thought, oh, this is quite an intriguing game, actually. Um <laughs> After 50 Cent panted his way through his uh, his guest appearance. But then second half, he got caught up in it. Ended up watching it on my phone in bed. So was it, what happened? Rams, the Leeds Colours won. Okay. LA Rams who knocked out the 49ers in the what we would call the semi-final. Okay. Uh, one of the championship games, can't remember. But um, that, was, that, was, that was decent. It was a decent... Uh, I'm starting to get a, a bit more of an understanding of how the game sort of ebbs and flows now and how people use timeouts and how pressure builds and all the rest of it. But I do struggle with the concept of cheering getting forward 10 yards mm. yeah. I would I would probably have watched it over Leeds Everton again yeah. yeah it was more fun okay it was more fun and that stadium that SoFi Stadium that's the one that costs 5 billion pounds yeah the complex that it's built on as yeah. well yeah, there's, there's like landscapes and lakes and there's an arena there and stuff like that but 5 billion is a, is a lot of money but yeah. um, it's um, Cronkay who built that wasn't it it was um, Arsenal's owner yeah 
There you go. Anyway. I can't we should have something similar in Beeston. <laughs> the Beeston Superdome. Can't wait. <laughs> the lakes and, and all poisoned from the <laughs> diesel of the M621. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they got that fish <laughs> swim out, like, you know, the three-headed fish in, in the lake in The Simpsons. Anyway. Anyway, on to Man United, because they've managed to throw away um, some points this week as well. Against Burnley, this was, they managed to have a goal disallowed because Harry Maguire was offside and fouling someone. He just decided to kind of block Jay Rodriguez, get into the ball, and so a goal was ruled out. It was one of those VR ones where you sort of think, if that's against us, I'd probably be fairly annoyed by it. Um, Flying Pig United was was very annoyed because it was Maguire as well. Who Named he, after Mel Sterland. Who he, yes, it seems so. Um, but he hates Maguire anyway, so oh, this, was, this was a nice moment. What are they looking at here? Hang on a sec. Don't even do this to me. Don't do this to me. What the fuck are they on about? And Varane peels away. It's beautiful. Slabby Maguire in an offside position holding their player off. Is that what they're going to give it not a goal for? Because... Slabby Maguire's just like blocking their play like a big concrete fucking pillar in an offside position. He, he, he has done as well. They're fucking going to roll. They're going to chalk it off because of the slab, I bet. Oh, they fucking chalked it off because of that fucking idiot, Slabby Maguire. A beautiful fucking goal scored by Rafael Varane because Maguire's a fucking idiot. What are you doing, Harry? What the fuck are you doing, bro? We're not playing American football, lad. Why the fuck are you sacking off the player there with the balls before he's even fucking come in? In an offside position. What an absolute bloody idiot. What an idiot. He's cost us a legit perfect fucking goal there from Varane. Cannot fucking stand the man. What a fucking idiot, mate. What an idiot Slabby Maguire is, you know. What a bloody moron. What an absolute moron. Look at him, look at him, look at him. He's offside. Look, look. He, oh, he, he's a moron, mate. I mean, I know a lot of this stuff is performative and we kind of, we rail against that, but I quite enjoyed that, mm. even though it was performative. He's getting his mileage out of Slabby, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. Get, a, get a good joke and run it into the ground. You're going to do a Sean Dyche impression? Um, no. He's not. Not today. <laughs> just uh, your reminder that that's £80 million pound mm. Harry Maguire. Don't right. ever buy footballers. No. <laughs> they Silly. break and are shit. <laughs> and are they are shit. Um, football stand. Who's yeah. this? This is the man who called, called was calling people bitches the other day. Was it was it a bald bitch he called Anthony Taylor? I can't remember if it was if it was that or idiot bitch. We obviously idiot, had a he lot called someone an idiot bitch, didn't he? Yeah. And I think he called Anthony Taylor a bald bitch or something like that, or bald shit. Might yeah. have been a bald shit actually. Mm. He's really running the uh, the YouTube permissiveness <laughs> down the line, isn't he? But uh, here he is enjoying Southampton's equaliser this week. Oh, it's Charles Southampton! Don't say that! Don't! No, it's a chance for Southampton. Oh, it's a goal. It's a goal. It's a goal. Not really. Again, the second half. Again, the second half. What a finish. But again, the second half, man. Again, the second half. And the last 15 minutes of the first half was very telling of this goal, man. Seriously, man. What the fuck is this shit? Good. 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 Upset. <laughs> less, less performative. But Webby and O'Neill also sound depressed, which is yeah. encouraging. Yeah. 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 If you're uh, not sure why we keep doing that whenever we mention Webby and O'Neill, it's because one of them just seems Webby. to... It's Webby's job is to go, yeah, 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 yeah. Tony, yeah. yeah. We're yeah. not sure why one of them keeps doing it either. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what? You can forget top four, top six. I can't see how that's going to improve Webby. I cannot see. I've been seeing this now. I don't see any improvements from Solskjaer. I don't see any. I don't see any soldier off what I seen there. That first match against Crystal Palace for me and you did First go in. half, yeah. And we watched it there and I'm thinking, Christ yeah, sake, yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. It, they've cheated, they've, they've tried to prove a new manager for half an hour and back to the old rubbish. Listen, that's what it is. We're disappointed. We know you are. There's not really much we can say about that, except, my God, it's got to improve. Don't worry, lads, it will. Sunday, game of the season again, coming up I for mean, you. They did say um, it's not improved since Solskjaer and they, um, they did beat us 5-1 earlier in the season. So hopefully it's not improved. Yeah, if it's much. only 4-1, mm. maybe we'll get two goals. Now's probably a good moment. Should we mention that, you know, the charity walk that we're doing, the mm. Gary Speed charity walks, like after the week after the end of the season, we've had to do, like the second day has been completely remapped. You had to remap it mm. because there's a section of Canal near Warrington, just no way through. Can't get through. So instead we're going through uh, kind of sail into like West Manchester. Where does it go straight past? Directly past the, and I mean directly past. Yeah. We joined the we joined the canal right by, um, right by Old Trafford there. Maybe, yeah. they'll, maybe they'll lay on some, a welcoming party. Some drinks maybe. and snacks for us or something. Yeah. A hundred Le nice. Leeds fans turning up. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, 
maybe if we have any special guests, we'll stick them to the front, you know, <laughs> lead, leading the charge. Christ. I mean, Webby and, uh, Webby and O'Neill, off, that, they're in the uh, hotel football or football hotel, whatever it's called. We go past it, they, don't uh, we? They, they film in there, don't they? Don't they live there? <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah. In uh, bunk beds <laughs> together in a stock. Anyway. I mean, ahead of the weekend's game, let's not tempt fate too much and taunt them because, you know, it could be bleak this time next week. But it's funny, we, we've previously mocked how Man United fans seem to be from like all over the place as well, but it's kind of nice not hearing Mank accents, isn't it? When you're, when you're just how Mank Man- they are. I'm the old manager. <laughs> God, it's Lord, awful. Manager. It's a dreadful voice. Yeah. Lot no battle with the manager. But now, still very northern. For our international listeners, it might sound very similar to you in the way that you couldn't tell apart Americans and Canadians. Mm. And we had some sort of people explaining in twi- on Twitter like the subtle differences in the accents. Mm. It's a little bit like when you get into smaller, like regional things, like I'm from Bradford and I can tell a Leeds person from a Bradford person. But just rest assured, that is similar ish to Yorkshire, but ours is a lot better. Oh, it's, that's terrible. Nobody outside Manchester sounds like Webby or O'Neill. <laughs> I don't know, that's part of their charm, that, you know, they are very uh, localised to the club they are supporting, but it just makes them much more difficult to listen to. Okay. Final one for today. Some uh, Someone with a lovely voice, delivering oh. a lovely message. I've been waiting for this. This is um, Neil Warnock. It was Valentine's Day yesterday, as we recall. Oh. And he did, um, I don't know how this came about, but Laura Woods ended up getting him to read a poem on air. Yeah, so she's the breakfast presenter on Talksport, and God bless her. She's she's doing it. She's trying to make the best of this. Can you can you imagine her wincing in the background as this was going on? <laughs> but have you, you said you've not heard this yet, Moscow? No, I mean, I nor, mean nor have I. So okay, well, you're it's gonna, not something I would seek out. I want you can you can give a full critical analysis on his on both the the delivery of it and also the the content. Maybe the some, you've got an English degree, haven't you? You can maybe maybe look at the way the way it's written. Um, see if he's to a close. Close analysis, close reading. Yeah, we could do a full podcast on it, maybe. His, his delivery is line by line. At points half-hearted, but I think maybe he's embarrassed and he's just trying to get through it quickly, um, as as Sharon often does. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's worrying because Warnock always strikes me as somebody with a high threshold for embarrassment. Yeah. So what would actually embarrass him? We, we've well, I suppose we're about to find out. I was going to say we've built this up. Let's just hear it. I'm a poet, you know. You talk about what you're doing for Valentine's Day. You should write your wife a poem. Should I read you a bit of this one? Have you got one? Yes. Well, this, yes. Is, this is one that I write in my thing. It's because it's, uh, don't forget, I have to rhyme and I do it quickly. I don't plan it. So I just do it spontaneously. I put, like, it's been a while since I wrote a rhyme. I'm not sure this one will stand the test of time, but there are certain words which I'd like to say about the love of my life around me every day. You're always there in my time of need, since the first day when you planted the seed. That smile said it all, that's why you're my girl. The look with those eyes sent my head in a whirl. I love you more than ever, that's for sure. We're a perfect match, I know there's no cure. I'm so in love with you at times I could cry. I find myself looking at you and boy do I sigh. You're so lucky today if you find the right wife. We're a match made in heaven, it's lasting for life. Two wonderful children are Amy and Will. My father could see me, see them, he'd call Grandpa Bill. I know he'd be proud of what we've been through, almost joined at the hip since stuck with glue. I never want you to be bored when I say I love you. The simple fact is, I just do. Oh my Aww. God, Neil! Is that any good or what? Amazing! You're just telling me that that just rolled off the tongue you scribbled it down and that's... Like... Yeah, because I have to plan the words that rhyme, you see. So I have to... What <laughs> a guy. Amazing. What, what a guy. I thought I was talking about Jeppo at first then. When he's like, the love of my life, you've been at my side all this time. Strong Paddy Kenny vibes, wasn't yeah. it? Like, <laughs> lots of things rhyme with Paddy and Kenny. I don't know why he's bothering with the... Sharon's a difficult word to it, rhyme It was with. getting caught up on, on the rhymes as well. And obviously we knew that he, he grew up a blunt. So um, mm-hmm. where could he have gone with that? <laughs> A bit, he, he definitely delivered a bit wrong. He said, if my father could see you, he'd, he'd call you Bill or something. Yeah, he, he said he needed. I mean, you were asking for like marks out of ten for his delivery. He needed to slow down and mm-hmm. give it a little bit because it did get a little bit into um, you know, uh, you've been at my side all my life, and uh, in a back four, you'll be uh, <laughs> you'll be next to big jags, and you'll be marking their big strike. Uh, it did. He did have that kind of like he's running through, you know. Enjoy the marriage, but enjoy it by being disciplined here. Wow. As well, every day by your side. Not is he? <laughs> Not really. She's been trying to. She's desperately trying to get him a job, isn't she? Yeah. Every day waving me off as I go to the airport <laughs> on my way to Middlesbrough. Don't rhyme. Don't I'll rhyme. Bu- I'll book you a taxi, Neil. Don't you worry. Uh, well, what a lovely ending. Anyway. You can go away, but don't come back in a hurry. I like to think it works for them. That's what I like to think. Because if we've learned anything this week, it's that you know 
Bielsa is the romantic ideal. We need to cling on to romance and love and celebrate these things. Um, love takes many forms, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, Warnock's yeah. just pure business. <laughs> this will rhyme if it's the last thing I do. Delivering it in the changing room. You know that video of him when he's swearing at all the players? <laughs> you can find that on YouTube, by the way, which is good fun. You've had lots of videos of him swearing at players mm. on yes. YouTube. It's very much his thing. Yes. Including one telling them you can go out and get pissed and shag your wife on the back seat of the car. It's one of the, it's one of the videos. Is what he's oh, instructing his players to do. Which is the romance. Well, the Valentine's Day in the, the 1980s. <laughs> but it was uh, even Chris Morgan looks a bit. Ooh. You're really saying this, Gaffer? <laughs> well, you get up to Gaffer. It's a, it's none of my business, really. L- lucky Sharon, eh? Right. Well, let's wrap up propaganda there for uh, for this week. God, please, can we have something a bit more fun to talk about next week? It can't be any worse, can it? It can. It definitely can. It can get a lot worse, but, you know, let's hope it doesn't. Let's remain on the side of optimism, as Bielsa would always tell us. Okay. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll do the me- the main weekly show straight after this one, where presumably it'll be all, it'll be all sweetness and light. And we'll have a good time talking about everything, shall we? We'll try. We'll try. Thank you. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. 